episode of Chevron's, the podcast for the enlisted force. I am your host, Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan, and I'm joined with our engineer, producer, and sometime co-host, Tim Sandlin. Hey, how are you, Chief? How you doing? I'm doing great today. Uh, and today we have a guest uh, slash future personality, possibly for our show, and that is going to be A1C Julia Ahasi. Uh Julia, how are you today? I'm well. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. It is the best day ever. For those of you who know me, that is sometimes my catchphrase. Uh, I want to get started with just like the most basic question. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What What's your story? What brought you to the Air National Guard? And just tell us a little bit of who you are. Sure. So I actually just got back from tech school. So I'm new here at the base. Um, so I went to public affairs tech school. That was six months long. And I went right from BMT. So I just joined last year. So I'm pretty new. Um, but this is kind of something I always wanted to do. Um, my parents are in the Masters of National Guard. They always have been since they were like teenagers. So I've always had that example. Um, but something kind of special is that I didn't join right out of high school. Like you would think um, a lot of people would growing up in a military family. I was a big theater kid back in the day. So I decided I wanted to go to school for theater. Um, and then quickly changed my mind to public relations, which kind of led me to this job. So I have a degree from Suffolk University in public relations. And after I graduated, I decided to enlist in the Air National Guard to do public affairs, which that's what I'm doing here. And I love it. And I joined because I just knew I would always regret not joining, um, especially being raised the way I was. My parents were always out somewhere doing something, helping people. Um, my mom and dad would always come back with something special for me. Like when my mom went to Germany, she'd come back with a little charm bracelet. Or when she went to Djibouti, Africa, she'd come back with a little doll for me that I still have. And she would come back with these tokens and also these stories of the people that she met because she was a public affairs officer back in the day, which I would love to be one day. And she just would have stories of the people that she fought alongside, of the people she would interview and help there. Um of the leadership that she had, of the people that she was leading. And I think the way that she raised me in just being a public affairs officer, she really fueled this passion inside me I have for storytelling. Um, it's just what I love to do, 100%. And she always says, um, to tell an airman's story, you have to be willing to fight alongside them. And I said, all right, let's do it. So I, I enlisted in the military just to tell other airmen's stories and document history, and I'm loving it so far. I really do like it, so... I will be around um, a little while in the public affairs office, and um, hopefully I can come back on the podcast and, and kind of help host. Uh, you, you've already won me over. <laughs> All right. and this is not just because of your family lineage. Uh, may I tell the audience um, who your mother and father are? Sure. They're pretty famous All right here. And now I know we have uh, an almost global audience because I know we have listeners from all over. So, uh, But for those members of the Massachusetts Air National Guard and the 102nd, um, uh, A1C Ahasi's uh, parents are Colonel Ahasi and uh, Chief Master Sergeant Ahasi. So um, you know, your mother is the uh, director of staff up here at the Joint Force Headquarters, and your father is the um, uh, the SEL for uh, the Maintenance Support Group, I believe, correct? Yes, he's the senior enlisted leader of the Mission Support Group. And actually, fun fact, my little sister's in too, so she's a personalist here at the 102nd, so it's a family it affair. Is, 
It is definitely is. So what happened is when your parents heard about that, we are all recruiters uh, campaign going on. They just went in and they just started grabbing their kids and throwing them in uniform. They took it very seriously. I tell you, you know, it is uh, it is great to have you on board. Um, I I look forward to uh, uh, you being on this podcast with me. Uh, I'm this excited. is going to be great. I think we're going to find some really, really great guests. So what else have you done uh, since you've been in? Okay, you're just out of tech school. Um, you know, uh, how has things been going at the wing? What are the things have you been experiencing? So I've only been here for a couple weeks. So I've just kind of been taking videos, meeting people, um, in processing. We know how that goes. Um, but in tech school, I was there for six months and I was training at the Defense Information School. Um, I learned everything from public affairs to photography, videography, journalism. Um, and while I was there, I was actually an airman leader in my detachment. And I um, also took this course called the Resiliency Training Course, um, where I became a resiliency training assistant. Um, so my commander there taught us seven different skill sets that we can teach and administer to um, different airmen, either in a formal setting. So um, I can give a presentation on a resiliency skill set that you can have um, in a formal, such as a, a commander's call or something. And I can just use it in my everyday. So um, anytime I'm talking to my peers or even leadership, for, for example, I can help them through these resiliency training skill sets and um, kind of just help them through their everyday because this job takes a lot from us and it requires us to be very resilient. I am going to jump on and capitalize on that resiliency training assistant course that you took. Number one, I think it's fantastic that it was offered to you at that level of your training and that you developed that skill set to bring back. I went through the master resiliency training program way back in, uh, I want to say 2014 or 2015. Um, and at that time, the art, uh, the resilience training assistant program was just starting to come online and we were looking at ways to like really increase bandwidth. And for about four years, I was three years, I was the only one at the wing that was trying to push programs down. Uh, and now I know you, you have, um, uh, Master Sergeant Gibbons, uh, is, is involved in that as, uh, uh, master, uh, resiliency trainer. We have you coming on board. So. I would imagine that bringing that skill set into the, you know, into the picture and being brand new to the wing is definitely, definitely going to be a huge asset because at no point in my military career um, have we needed to deal with resiliency issues more than we do now. Um, you know, so I'm sure the curriculum's changed. Tell me about some of the things that you 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 know, that you learned at this new course. Sure. So it's interesting to say that you didn't really focus so much on resiliency your entire career because my entire Air Force career of almost a year and a half now, um, there was a very big focus in resiliency. Even in basic training, they have um, they have hours of the day blocked out just for resiliency training in Airmen Comprehensive Fitness. Um, so basically the resiliency training assistant course taught by a master resiliency trainer such as yourself, which is my commander at tech school. Um, she talked about the comprehensive fitness model. So um, as many of our listeners probably know, um, it's important to stay fit to fight physically, spiritually, and socially. Um, but res the resiliency program comes in where you need to be mentally fit to fight and always, um, and always ready. So um, the resiliency program is based on this idea that positive emotions are the fuel for resistance. So it's seven different skill sets that 
that focus on self-care and produce positive emotions for yourself in the way that is best for you. So every single person is different. So it's very personalized to every single person. Um, so the examples um, of this would be balance your thinking, for example. So it focuses on reactions to certain things. So it's a little exercise that we can do to how to best react to different situations that we're all faced. Um, there's another example was gratitude, how to practice gratitude um, in your everyday, how to practice mindfulness, um, physical fitness, um, value-based goals. It was all these different skill sets that really motivate you in the everyday to do the best that you can and to check in on yourself because self-care is a first step to resilience. I couldn't agree more. Two things that, that I want to um, foot stomp on what you said is one was attitude. Uh, what really brought me into the focus of wanting to be a master resiliency trainer and through pretty much my entire military and police careers over the last, uh, oh geez, 25, 30 years, even before it was on the forefront like it is now, was always looking at attitude as a force multiplier within yourself and within others. And it, it dates back to a study I read back in the 80s where a college professor um, turned around, he came up with an idea for a study because he wanted to see what group mentality, how group mentality could change an environment. Uh, and what they did is they had a fake class. So it wasn't a real college class. They just made up this fake class and it was taught by actors. And they had an actor come in um, who was supposed to teach the material uh, in a very inept way, uh, talking in circles, a lot of stutters, disheveled, just the absolute, you think of the worst instructor you ever had where you've just tried to kind of figure out what are you trying to get across to me? That was the portrayal. And within the class, I think there were 50 or 60 people that were in the lectures. They planted three people. And these three people were in different parts of the class. And all they were supposed to do was make friends and then turn around and talk to all their classmates about how great this instructor was, how beneficial it was, how they've gotten the best out of it, even though they're talking to people who are like, are you out of your mind? So over the course, the three months of the course, that's all these people did to generate that. And then they had the post-course feedback. And overwhelmingly, they said, you need to retain this professor, keep this course on the docket. This was the best thing I ever had, where the entire time the professor was to do nothing but turn around and sabotage the entire class. That was then repeated a couple of years later, where they had had the actor come in and perform the best class ever. The lectures were on point. I mean, it was like watching Winston Churchill in World War II during the Battle of the Bulge. It was tying everybody in. Same three people. This is horrible. It sucks. I don't want to be here. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Boom, boom. Same eval process. At the end of it, it crushed it. So that led my thinking that your attitude is so powerful within yourself and within others around you that you can either create an environment of positivity and resilience and and you know uplifting spirit even in the worst of circumstances but you can also crush it even in the best of circumstances you can buy into the hype you can get dragged down by covid and political nightmares and this confrontation and whatever's going on in your personal life and whatever's going on in your work life, you can let that drag you down or you can turn around and 
take an attitude like dies semper optimus, which is Latin for best day ever. Of course, it's not the best day ever, but if you start focusing on that. So yeah, exactly what they're doing in that course right now was backed up 30 years ago with studies that were done at a college level. And it's just, I'm great. It's great for me to see that that's permeating all the way down now to your mass resiliency courses and what you're learning and bringing to the table. Yes, I, they always said that positive emotion is the fuel for resistance. Um, and these different skill sets kind of show you how to have that positive attitude and how to control your reaction and your way of thinking. Um, so for example, one skill set is balance your thinking. It's when something happens, you just react right away. Um, but instead, something happens, you think about how you feel about that and how it makes you feel and you put it into perspective and then you react. So that kind of comes with the reaction to that class. Um, you you have that class or you have this experience. You first evaluate how you feel and what the realities are, and then you react to it. So that's just an example of one way to be resilient. And it's funny. It, it takes into account, I don't know if, uh, if you are familiar with the OODA loop, which is observe, orientate, um, decide and act. It, it's something that pilots use, SWAT, you know, we used it in SWAT and all these other operators. And basically it's how to, how to see something coming at you. You know, you observe, you, you know, like you're driving down the road, brake lights in front of you, you observe brake lights, you orientate that you have a gap that you have to cover. You decide I'm going to stomp on the brake and you act, you stomp on the brake. It's, that's it in its simplest forms. Um, but what happens is that OODA loop is always firing. Everything we do is OODA, 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 OODA. And one of the things that happens to people is they get so caught up in reacting, 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 reacting. And one of the thing that they, one of the things they teach pilots is, don't get target fixation. Don't turn around and you know get get so wrapped up in the OODA loop that you're gonna you know follow the bad guy all the way into crash into a mountain. Take time to disengage, take a look around, reorientate, redecide, and react. So. It's fundamentally something that a lot of the people out there that might be in security forces or in, in you know aviation or doing one of these things, you know, they might be thinking, wow, you know, you know, how do I apply that skill? We're already applying it. Every single day we're applying it. So you just take that same skill set and apply it to your emotional well-being and your resilience and your health. And it can, you know, it can rewrite the ship. It can prevent you from smashing into the back of that car or crashing into that mountain. Exactly. Uh, and, and it's that simple. Right. Yeah. An example of that would just be your commute to work every single day. So let's say that you're driving and the person in front of you slams on their brakes or they, they pass by you or they're, they're riding on the back of your car. Your instant reaction is you get angry. You hold the steering wheel a little bit tighter. You might say some choice words. You're angry. But instead with the balance, your thinking skill set is that happens. Someone passes by you. Someone is riding too close behind you. You think about it. What could be the reason they're doing that? Give them the benefit of the doubt. Is this worth my energy? And then you react to it. So that's just a simple example that you could use in your everyday, no matter what job you have in the military, is just balance your thinking, control your reactions. And um, that just fuels this positive emotion. This fuels resiliency. And it makes you more resilient when those situations happen in any circumstance. I am hearkened to a story that uh, somebody was telling me uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, they were driving in the traffic. They were too close to the car in front of them. 
Um, the person stamped, stomped on their brakes, you know, like that whole, you know, hey, I'm going to get you and then flipped them off. And the person had the opportunity to kind of pass them later. And the person that they were passing went to give them that glaring look like, you know, oh, we're going to fight. And by that time, that the person that had been tailgating was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I can either turn this into a road rage incident or I can, you know, de-escalate it. And as they drove by, they had the window down and they did the old way of like in the apology. I'm so sorry. And it totally disarmed the person who was looking for the fight. Now you fast forward to the next rest stop up. They both ended up pulling over to the rest to the to the next rest stop up. And the person um, who initially was angry to, had pulled up next to him. And they ended up having a conversation together. I am sorry. I'm sorry, too. I was an idiot. No, I was an idiot. And then it just made everything better. So a potentially dangerous situation, because how often do these road rage situations, you know, escalate up? You get angry. You can't keep on. You can't cap on your emotions. You can't even turn around. You won't even recognize your own culpability in an incident and turn around and just say, all right. Yeah. You know, I did that. I got to do this to recorrect. Yeah. None of that. It all goes out the window and it turns into just a harsh emotional event that it didn't need to be. And I just thought that was like a really, you know, I, I, I listened to that and I'm like, what a great way of turning around and using resilience instead of capturing anger and turning it in and escalating it and turning it into a situation. You just say, oh, I'm going to cut it off and take a minute. Deep breath. I'm sorry. Little action. Right. It changed the total potential outcome from highly negative to really positive. And that's just an example, a simple one that you can relate to anything. Um, it also relates to the workplace with your relationship with your coworkers, with your relationship with your leaders. If there's stress in those relationships, that affects you in ways that you don't even realize that they do. Um, and it, it hinders your resilience because there's no positive emotions. It's only negative emotions. So, your coworker may say something and your leader might make a decision and you instantly react to it. When you take that time in between to kind of balance your thinking and kind of put it in perspective, like the car example, um, that could really help you be more resilient and help you in the workplace. So I think there's a lot of workplace stressors that this can relate to. And there are tools. And that's the one, the other thing I like about resiliency in, in the MRT and the RTA courses, you know, they talk about the four pillars of wellness and how to use them. One of the things that I use is personally, and, and I'll let you get into the four pillars, but one of them is the physical. Um, I use a lot of exercise and physical realm to balance off my other pillars when I see them fractioning. And here's one way that I, I an example I like to use and how, we, uh, um, how, how it worked, works for me. Um, and user mileage may vary. Everybody needs to find you know their own spiritual, their own social, whatever they need to strengthen. Uh, but I had a really, really bad day at work uh, back in, in my cop days. Uh, turned into like a, a nightmare. I was supposed to be home for dinner. I didn't get home until breakfast the next day. Uh, it was just one of those really, really bad days. And my wife had made a nice dinner for me. I didn't make, you know, make it home. So she made a nice breakfast knowing I was finally coming home and I come walking in the door and she's standing there to greet me. And I was just, I'm like, my OODA loop's not firing. I'm emotionally compressed. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. All those bad emotions. I didn't take the time to level myself. And I come walking in the door and she's like, did you have a bad night? And I immediately, of course I had a freaking bad night. As soon as it left my mouth, I knew it was wrong because the tension was so tight. You could cut it with a knife. Slowly I turned and looked at her. She had her arms folded, glaring me down, tapping her foot saying, do you want to reevaluate what you just said to me? 
I was like, yes, desperately. And I spent the next hour trying to talk it out, having created a significant emotional event. Now you fast forward about six months later, I had another night just like that. And coming home, almost, almost identical. And I'm going to walk out the door and I'm so fed up and so frustrated. And I said, you know what? I'm not walking out the door like this. And I went downstairs to the gym that we had at the, at the uh, police department basement. I did a few sets of bench presses, some sit-ups, just to whack around the punching bag a little bit, cleared my mind, took three deep breaths and went home, walked in the door. She had already made me breakfast and she said, did you have a really bad night, didn't you? And I went, babe, it was a really, really bad night. I can't really talk about it. Thanks for breakfast. Can you just sit down here and just join me for a meal? Just, just, we're just going to eat in silence and just join me. I sat there and I ate and she just sat there with me. Totally, totally. The exact same circumstance. The reaction was totally different because I utilized the master resiliency training stuff that we learned and that you have learned and as, as a, a RTA and just focused on, all right, well, I, I can't get into church right now. Um, you know, right now is not the time for me to, you know, to talk to my higher power. There's nobody around me socially. What pillar am I going to use? Oh, I'm going to work out. And it recorrected my emotional pillar. Um, so uh, that's just one example I wanted to use for me. You have more current, better, latest knowledge. So it, tell us a little bit more about stuff like that. Yeah. So there's um, seven different pillars and they're all not pillars. There's seven different skill sets in the resiliency training program um, that you could use in different situations. Um, and they help you react to situations that happen in your life, in the military, in your social life, because if something happens in your social life, it's going to affect you at work too. And it's really important that all of our service members are able to practice resilience in their personal life and their work life because um, they do affect each other and they do bleed into each other to make sure that you are fit to fight every single day at work and that please from home as well. Um, another example I would say is just gratitude. Um, and that might seem very self-explanatory to a lot of people. Um, but there's a little secret to it. So with gratitude, it's just find the things in your day that are great because it's very easy to fall into a negative spiral. When one or two bad things happen, you can't see the good. You go right into that spiral. It's like you have blinders on and all you can focus on the bad things. You find all the bad things that are happening in your life. And how are you successful at work or in the military or at home when all you can see is the negative? Because positive emotions are the fuel for resilience. So um, with gratitude, you every day or every week or every month, whatever works for you, because you don't want it to be a chore, because when it's a chore, you're not going to do it. So you find a time that works best for you to find all the great things in life and you write them down in your phone app, on a notebook, just list it in your head on your commute from home um, or commute to work. And you find all the things that are that you are grateful for and why it's meaningful, why it's meaningful for you and who contributed to that good. So, um, for example, um, in... At work, you could have a great project that you really, really liked how it came out. So you're grateful that that project came out. Why are you grateful for that? I'm grateful because the last three projects did not work out for me, and I finally figured out what I needed to do. And I've been working very hard at this, and I feel like I achieved something. So I'm grateful for that. And then who contributed to this? So what other people helped you with the success of this project? Um, my coworker really helped me, and that was very meaningful that they helped me. So I'm very grateful for them, and I'm grateful that I did great with the project. Um, another example of this could be something simple that you could apply to everything. So um, the one that my captain used, um, the master resiliency trainer at tech school, 
was um, her her car broke down and she was able to change a tire. So she was grateful for that. Why is she grateful for that? Well, because her father spent time in her childhood teaching how to change a tire, and, and she knows that a lot of her friends weren't taught that, so she's grateful for that. And who contributed to this? It would be her father who taught her how to change that tire. So by asking yourself these questions with all the great things that happen in your life, you're able to be more resilient because when something bad happens, you could say, well, these five things are great that happened in my life, so it's going to be okay. I have I have some good things in my life too, and it prevents that negative spiral from happening, so you're able to get out of the negative things that happen more easily. That I, Wow. That is, uh, that is so true because we do tend to get wrapped up in our own misery because it's the easiest thing to do. Um, and you could also use you can also use lessons like that uh, to, to help other people. Like if you observe somebody that's going down that spiral, like like they're they're just they're not firing, and you just recognize it. What are some things you can do to try to you know convey that gratitude over to them? Um, so it is tricky because um, toxic positivity is a thing. So if <laughs> someone's like this thing happened in my life and it's terrible. You can say, well, at least it's not as bad as this. You totally just dismiss how they were feeling. They don't feel like they mm -hmm. can open up to you anymore. Um, you, you didn't acknowledge how they're feeling. So if someone said this bad thing happened to me and you see them going in a negative spiral, you first recognize it and you acknowledge it saying, I'm sorry, that's really bad. I, I can understand why you're upset or I hear that you're upset do you need advice right now or do you need me just to listen? If they need you just to listen, that's what you have to do because unsolicited advice is not going to help anyone. Um, they're not going to listen and it will prevent them from coming to you in the future. But if they're like, I could really use some advice right now, that's when you can move into this gratitude exercise. So you could say, do you want to do a gratitude exercise really quick? Or less formally, you could say, okay, well, well, what are some good things that happened today? And they could say, well... I, this happened. And you could say, why was that meaning for you and who contributed to it? Once they start thinking about it, that's when they're going to get out of that negative spiral that can start identifying the positive things that happened. Um, and with doing this exercise, it could be difficult because being thankful for something is different than being grateful. So um, I could be thankful that I have food on the table every night and that I have a shelter over my head and, and I have clothes that I love to wear. But I'm thankful for those things because I never experienced um, not having any food or not having any shelter. So I'm thankful for those things. Being grateful over the things that really are meaningful to you. Um, for example, um, the car situation. She was grateful because her father taught her how to change tire. Or um, I'm grateful that I did well in a test because I studied very hard. That's, that's the difference. So you want to find things that happened in their life that they're very grateful for and that was very meaningful for them. Because that's what's really going to take them out of that negative spiral. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And that, that, that's such a, it, it always reflects back to something that somebody once told me that when people are in need, remember you have two ears and one mouth because right. we always seem to want to go to the advice channel, but like you, you're like exactly what you said. We don't need, know what that person we're trying to help needs. If we shut up and listen and then we can help them get there and you're not trying to solve it for them you can't you need to help them lift themselves up right and then sometimes all you could do is listen all you could do is 
help them find the good or help them practice mindfulness. But other times people need some resources too. So you could direct them towards resources that will they'll help them even further because some people need some more help. And what are some things that we can do um, with our, our, you know, the people that we work around and we work for and work for us to prevent people, you know, prevent it from getting to that point to, you know, to keep that atmosphere uh, at a level where, you know, you're, you're fostering resilience and you're fostering that, that, that positivity and in, in you're helping. What can we do for each other? Um, well, it starts with herself and it starts with our peers and our family and friends. Um, that's the very first step of, of helping anyone who, who's going through the everyday struggles that we all go through. Um, an example you, you could do is acknowledge the good things that they're doing, um, acknowledge what they're doing well, um, creating an environment that is safe and they feel safe in and that they can be themselves and that doesn't discriminate against any certain identity because that could be very stressful. Um, and kind of paying attention for each other. So when you spend a lot of time with someone, um, you can tell when they're not being themselves. It's easy to ignore when they're not being themselves, but sometimes it's okay to say, hey, I can notice that you're not yourself today. What's going on? Do you want to talk about it or do you need some advice? Um, and just catching it when when you see some signs of them not being themselves or being off or, or showing the signs that they need some resiliency help, um, that's when you can step in. Uh, you step in right away. Just be a listening listening ear without being judgmental. Um, and then if it gets to the point where you think that they need um, other resources, such as um, a chaplain or a support group or medical help, um, that's where you can take that step. But before that, it's nice just to look out for each other. Right. And even the small things. I mean, uh, I... Uh I saw a T-shirt uh, a few weeks ago, and you know, this was you know some of the greatest things you ever learn. You see on T-shirts, and the T-shirt on the back of it said, "Never underestimate your impact or influence on somebody else." And I'm like, "Wow, yeah," because that can be taken in, in a positive or a negative way. And sometimes it's just the smallest things, you know, listening and observing and knowing you're there. And other times it's a bigger thing where, you know, you you do have to intervene sometimes and guide and assist people to the right things, like the chaplain you know, or, you know, uh, you know, mental health counseling, et cetera. Sometimes you have to, you have to do that. It's just not being afraid to, to do that, not being afraid to, not being afraid to care. Um, right. You know, and that's the, that's the greatest thing about our military now uh, compared to, you know, when I came in and, you know, 1721 um, is that, you know, back in, you know, Back in the day, you know, mission focus really was mission focus. It it, it really was um, you know, getting it, getting the job done. With you know, you cared about your people as leaders, but it wasn't the same level of care. Uh, where now, we're really trying to shed the boundaries of being afraid to make those connections because I just always thought that it was kind of a contradiction in terms. I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that are willing to rush a hill with a machine gun uh, shooting at them and they have that kind of bravery. But when they're standing next to somebody that, you know, they consider a friend, they're afraid to ask the question of how are you doing? What can I do to, you know, sometimes those questions, those interpersonal questions are harder to have the intestinal fortitude and courage to reach out for people on than it is to charge a machine gun nest. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's just weird, but it's so cool to see that we have programs that they're providing to our young airmen like yourself at that level, 
but you're bringing back all this expertise. You're educating me. I went through the master resiliency training course. We're going to talk about four pillars. We got like what seven now? This is great. Seven skill sets. Yes. Wow. They just yeah. really told us the importance of taking care of each other. They did this in basic training. They did this from the very first day, um, and that followed through tech school. And I can see it now. Um, the importance of getting to know the people that you work with so you can see whether they're not themselves because while it's as important to know how to charge a weapon it's also as important to make sure that the people next to you are okay because when they're not okay then they can't complete the mission um, when they're not resilient then they're not going to complete the mission the way that they should um, because you need strong service members physically socially mentally and uh, spiritually to be able to be the best airman that they could be and and complete the mission because when you're not strong you just can't do it. So it's important to have each other's back. Um, my mom always says, get their six. Um, and just, they really focus on being a good wingman, uh, which I'm sure everyone has heard. But just paying attention, asking the questions, being genuine when you're asking. Um, don't, and then another thing too, another pillar, which I think would be interesting to mention is um, celebrate the good news, which I'm sure you know about. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So while everyone has bad days and have plenty of things to complain about, they also have good things. Um, they have good news that they want to share. So to be able to celebrate that with them um, will fuel these positive emotions that even make them more resilient. That's something that they could be grateful for. So if someone spreads good news, you don't want to be distracted. Um, you don't want to be on your phone or not paying attention or not really genuinely listen. You don't want to steal it. You don't want to one-up them. Something great happened. Oh, well, this happened to me, and this is even better. Mm. And um, and you don't want to you don't want to dismiss them. You don't want to point out the things that are are wrong or could happen when they when they share good news. So being able to celebrate that news with them and listen to them and make them feel even more excited, um, they're gonna want to share more good news with you. And when you're sharing good news around the office, how it's so much positive emotion in one space, and it really does feel that resilience of of being able to come into work and being happy and being motivated to work. Yeah, it, 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 that's that whole happy motivation thing. Uh, there's, there's something I've heard over and over, um, over the last few years. And that is that people don't leave organizations. They leave other people, uh, and people don't join organizations. You know, if, if you know, a sought after organization, they're not joining it because of, a mission set or a logo or a patch or, you know, a cool camouflage or a t-shirt or a coffee mug. Um, you know, they're gravitating towards something that has that positive environment, that has that vibe that, that they know they're going to be able to go into and feel good there. Uh, cause your job satisfaction comes down to, you know, to, are you trusted? You know, uh, are you empowered? Uh, do they, are you appreciated? You know, um, are you valued as a person, not as a product? Is it better to have 100 F-35s with one pilot and one mechanic or 10 F-35s with 10 strong, resilient pilots and 100 great mechanics? I mean, what's what's the greater force multiplier? Right. It's us. And we need to watch out after us. So this is good stuff. I, I could I could probably spend the next two hours just talking to you about nothing but resilience and, and master resiliency. This is great, especially uh, especially now. Uh, you know, as I said, we're at a day uh, at a at a date and time where, you know, progress in, is is great. But just the environment, you know, we're coming out of covid uh, We're we're 
we're and we just have so many stressors going on and i wanted to go back to the audience because if you're if you're listening and you were in guard reserve or active duty uh air force in 2018 we had a thing called the resiliency tactical pause where uh uh joe goldfein um who was chief of staff of the air force at the time turned around and said everybody's taken a day and they gave us a few like um uh, deliverables but for the most part you could tailor it for yourself and a big part of it harnessed around small group discussions you know so we had some blocks of resiliency that you had to train but it was breaking everything down to the smallest unit and having open dialogue and talking about feelings and talking about where you were and having that fellowship and sharing with your fellow airmen and we did that at the 102nd and it was um tim i know you were around at the time you have to admit at that point we were at a resiliency high correct me if i'm wrong because of all that that small group interaction and connection oh absolutely that and the uh the the hyper focus on it by by the very top of the air force so it was it it was a game changer and we had all this tightness and then a little thing called covid cropped up and we didn't drill together for what eight months tim uh, at least eight months. And uh, for the full-time staff, we were uh, teleworking for the better part of four or five months. And it crushed it. It crushed it. So I bring that up thinking about these conversations that we just had. And we now have our our you know new airmen coming in that have had the RTA uh, training. And we've had our, our old supervisors and airmen and people that are listening you know, to the podcast right now that went through that resilience tactical pause. And I'm sure our wing was not unique. I'm sure a lot of wings experienced the same thing. And I think now's the time that we reach into that tool bag. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, go and solicit your commanders for another, you know, resilience tactical pause day down. No, we don't need a day and we don't need an event. What we need to do is think about it as a way of life as a way of doing business and go back and hearken on those things that we did in 2018 and to lean on our new young airmen, our superstars like yourself that are coming out with this knowledge and and listening and practicing and bring it back around and taking care of each other. Um, I, I, I just think that might be a, a, an essential, an essential deliverable for us all. Well, in a world of uh, endless computer-based trainings and taskers. Uh, this is not that. This should be incorporated into our daily lives. It should be par- a part of us, not something that we're checking a box next to and say, oh, are we resilient today? You know, it should be something that comes natural. And the only way it's going to come natural is if we exercise the skill set. Exactly. Making it a way of life. I saw the airmen that I went to tech school with use this in their everyday. It just became normal for them. And that the way that they looked out for each other and the way that they practiced these skills, it showed in their work at tech school, in their work as airmen leaders, in their work in the detachment. Um, and I would love to see that at every wing, at every base. Um, and I think that's very possible. I love your, your optimism and I love your outlook. And, uh, you know, uh, A1C Hasey, it, it is, you are truly a force multiplier. You really are. Um, and by you, I mean, not just 
you as an individual, but yes, you as an individual, but also all the young airmen that are coming out with this training and this skill and all the young airmen that we have, uh, you know, air, you know, this, this is a game changer and yeah, you, uh, I'm looking forward to every now and again, branching off and, and bringing this to our future, um, Chevron's podcast. Uh, we talked to future guests and maybe, you know, spicing this in a little bit and just keeping the message rolling. Yes. In our everyday life too. Absolutely. A, you know, a, a story, um, I, I always like to tell about just how, uh, an attitude change can change everything is about a free cup of coffee. So one of the things I always do is whenever, whenever I'm in uniform and I go to buy my coffee and like, Oh no, it's on the house. It's free. I always turn around and say here, pay it forward. I'm paying for, you know, mine's free, but I'm buying the next one down the line. So it's just something I've been doing for, for a very, very, very long time. And I know other people do it too. Uh, so I'm driving through Pennsylvania one time. I've listened to a radio broadcast and it was about uh, about suicide and, and, and the epidemic and whatever. And they had a caller come in and it was talking about it was their last day. They had already decided they checked out. They had made up their mind um, that that nobody cared. They were in the emotional doldrums. They were in they were in the spin down cycle, but they liked Starbucks. And they were going to go out and they were going to have their last Starbucks coffee. And then they were going to go out and that was it. And they went in to get their Starbucks coffee and they went to pay for it. And the manager said, nope, um, somebody's paying it forward. You know, they bought you a free cup of coffee. It, you know, it's free. It's for you. And the person walked out and they're holding the coffee and they sat there and they thought, wow, you know, somebody bought me a cup of coffee. This is really good. And it was that little thing that started to change their thinking and spiral it down. Now, I know that wasn't my coffee. I, I, I've i never bought a cup of coffee in Philadelphia. So that was not me. You know, it had nothing to do with me. So it's not that story is not about me. That story is just about something that I, um, like a million other people do without even thinking about it. And somewhere down the line, the secondary effects was that it made it such an impact and difference in somebody's life. It was just one positive thing that I, you just throw out into the universe and you know, people do it all the time from holding a door open for somebody to um, helping somebody, you know, uh, you know, put their groceries in a car to freak out. These little small acts that we do uh, can sometimes make a really, really, really big difference. So it's kind of like, you know, pebbles, uh, pebbles, you know, in, in a pond, you know, you just, you drop a pebble in a pond, it has a big ripple effect. You never know what they're going to be. And I kind of take a lot of what you were presenting with um, the RTA stuff is just being cognizant of that with your within your own self and with others. And just just these little things can pay the biggest dividends, just like three cup of coffee or, a, hey, how are you doing this morning? Right. Contributing to those positive emotions. And at the end of the day, end of the day just showing that you care. That's... That's a big thing that I think that everyone does, but we can even pay more attention to. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. I realize we have been going for a while. Uh, I do want to wrap it up with one question for you. Give us a Julia Hasey fun fact. What is something that you want to share with us that nobody knows about you? That's just a fun fact, you know? You collect goats. I don't know. Something fun. Um, I guess I already kind of mentioned it, but a big thing, big thing about me is I grew up a theater kid. Very into theater, very into arts and culture and fashion, which is kind of the complete 
opposite of the military. Um, <laughs> but to that creative field, it bleeds into my work as a public affairs specialist. So that's my fun fact. I love everything arts and culture and theater and fashion and everything creative. I, I love the fashion part because now you're you're in the Air Force where you're going to wear the same thing every day. It yes. has to kill you. Um, it allows me to put a good outfit together when I get home and take off this uniform, <laughs> for sure. That's how you turn it into a positive. Well, well Chief, um, I think fair play. I think uh, Airman Hasey could probably ask you the same question. Oh, boy. Fun fact about you, sir. <laughs> uh a uh, fun fact about me, uh, I'm Batman, and that's all I'm going to say. Google it. You'll figure it out. No more questions. <laughs> well, well, thank you, um, and uh, I just want to thank our listeners, as always. Uh, this is a joy for me to do. Uh, I had a great time with you uh, today. Um, uh, anyone see Hasey? I... I think we're going to have fun together when we start bringing in future guests. I'm excited for what's to come. Yes. And Tim, thank you, uh, as always, for being our engineer extraordinaire. And if anybody out there has any guests or any topics or any ideas that they would like to uh, see us address at Chevron's, please let us know. Um, Tim, where can people contact us about Chevron's? Uh, that would be Chevron's podcast at gmail.com, Chief. Well, there you go. Chevron's podcast at gmail.com. Send Let your questions, uh, send your questions, send your guest um, uh, requests, and uh, we can be reached there. And if any of our listeners, our longtime listeners, have a repeat guest that they'd like to bring back, I think it would be fun uh, because this is our first podcast together with, uh, with A1CA Hasey. I think it would be fun if we had maybe a couple of suggestions about past guests that we had to come back and tag team, bring a couple of them in. And that way you could get, uh, uh, you know, get to talk to some of our, our past uh, epic guests that we've had. That'd be great. All right, everybody, be safe, be kind. And um, Chief Master Sergeant Sullivan signing out. <laughs> <laughs>